This is Modal Module, and you're listening to Volt Supreme Synth VGM Dream Stream Machine Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Vault Supreme Synth VGM Dreams Dream Machine Podcast. The podcast that plays the synthiest video game music in all the universe. And the podcast that hosts the greatest guests in all the universe. Yes, that is right. From episode one, we've literally had some of the craziest and most interesting guests from all around the universe on this show. And ladies and gentlemen, this episode is no exception. I've been planning to do this one for probably about a year and we are finally here. Yes, as you already know, it is the modal module episode. Let's not waste any more time. Mr. Modal Module, welcome to Vault Supreme's Synth VGM Dream Stream Machine Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you join us here finally. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, and it's also kind of crazy for somebody like me who's used to sitting in my little, you know, hole in the wall of my room making music by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm super excited to be able to share uh, some of your music. I've been listening to this for probably over a year now. Um, since you released the Super Gear Quest um, soundtrack, I was very keen to do an episode on that, and it's taken us it's taken us about a year to get here, but here we are, and I'm I just can't wait to share some of your music because I honestly think this is going to be some in my personal opinion people can judge themselves but i honestly think this is going to be uh some of the best some of the best music we've played on the podcast wow that's i mean i uh i i will accept the concept of that but i couldn't possibly internalize that for myself because this is music that i made versus you know so many phenomenal composers who have been doing it for so long and have, you know, composed for incredibly, you know, popular and prolific games, etc. Uh, and honestly, a lot of the music that you pick is some of my favorite music ever anyway. So, you know, it's, that's, you know, I, <laughs> that's really saying something. I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I've, you know, every time I put together an episode, um, I'm hearing, Sometimes I'm discovering new music for the episodes. Sometimes I'm sometimes I'm playing my favorite songs ever, and I'm always you know putting together the playlist as, as you'd call it and listening over the songs and trying to figure out you know what's what's the order going to be? Is does this does this song fit in? Does that song fit in? And yeah, no joke, putting together a track list of my favorite modal module songs has been a lot of fun, and I've just found myself. Uh, kind of listening it, listening it over quite a few times for no real reason except to just enjoy it. So yeah, I'm excited to share that. You've also chosen some of your all-time favorite music. Would you would you describe it as, as that? Yeah, I mean, okay. So I wanted to clarify a little bit on my choices. Um, I would say the the first priority was music that 
you know, definitely has a nostalgic edge to it and, you know, connects very much with me and my inspiration uh, when it comes to music that I make. But also I wanted to go a little bit outside of uh, uh, the crossroads between my favorite music and that which is really popular because I feel like some, you know, uh, composers, some games really deserve shout outs that, that just haven't gotten a whole lot of playtime on, you know, let's say other VGM podcasts or really just like anything, you know, YouTube, you know, favorites, whatever lists and stuff like that. So I kind of, I kind of tried to strike the balance between, you know, things that were just plain good and everybody would agree and things that maybe people hadn't really heard and they could kind of get turned on to. Yeah, so I, I'm really looking forward to listening to all of your picks. Again, I'm really looking forward to sharing um, the modal module tracks that I've chosen. I think I would really like to start with Super Gear Quest and just do a few songs from that. Um, that is a incredibly large soundtrack. I think it's just over three hours, maybe. Um, it's really good. I think it's pretty consistent all the way through, That which is a pretty big thing to say for a three-hour soundtrack um but yeah i've definitely got some favorites from that that i want to share and i'd love to start us off with a really cool song called grass fields and i think i'm going to say this about a lot of the songs but what i really love about your music is the way your melodies the notes and the rhythm are very important they both come together really nicely and i just love it when this song kicks into the um the b section or the chorus you might call call it it just it gives me the the happy vibes all over so let's let's kick off with this one this is grass fields from super gear quest by modal module enjoy
right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Grass Fields. And no matter how many times I listen to that, that chorus section always, always puts a smile on my face. I, yeah, I just really love that. I love the sounds that you used. It's quite a, for me, it's a very heroic sounding song. And that was from the game Super Gear Quest, which, which was released early last year, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's been, uh, I think it's been... Uh, a little over a year, if I'm if I'm <laughs> if I'm correct. I, I looking back, just kind of thinking about how things were. I remember it was toward the beginning of last year. Maybe you can tell us a bit about this this game. Um, from what I remember you saying, this was quite um, quite a lengthy lengthy project for you and I imagine the developers of the game as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, first of all, there's literally only one other person involved in this game. Uh, his name is Felix Kilner. Uh, and he was the solo dev uh, for the game, including the music originally. So there's a little backstory there. Um, I saw the game on Twitter. You know, it was just a video clip of the game itself, and you know there was music that went along with the gameplay. Gameplay looked absolutely phenomenal, like super, super cool. It's a side scroller. It's it's you know kind of a Metroidvania, uh, but a very sort of dark vibe to you know just the artwork and the the lighting, which was kind of what made it unique to me because it's pixel art, but it has lighting, you know. Um, and so, mm. long story short, I saw it and it looked amazing. But you know how on Twitter it it just shows you the visual until you click, then you hear it. So I, I saw the yep. visual and then I clicked and what I heard as far as the music, no offense to him because he is a developer, he's a pixel artist, he does a, a million different things, but the music itself was not up to the caliber of the rest of what was happening, what I was visually seeing. And so it was sort of, you know, as a composer, it was sort of heartbreaking because I really could see this game having a huge amount of potential and I just felt like it was being weighed down by the music at that particular moment. So I did something that probably would be, you know, considered a, a pretty dick move <laughs> by a lot of standards, <laughs> which I reached out to him and I, I said exactly what I just said, that the idea that the caliber of the music just wasn't quite to the caliber of everything else and that I offered myself to, you know, sort of level, you know, everything out and really just to, to bring the whole thing to a better place, which, you know, sounds pompous perhaps, but I, I've been making music for a very, very long time. And to my understanding, he really was just starting out with music. So part of it too is just the, you know, level of experience. I was really just saying, okay, hey, uh, your game looks awesome, you know, let me help it to be even more awesome, you know? Um, and he was hesitant at first. He actually assigned me the task of making the final boss music right off the bat to see if I could make something good enough in his opinion to kind of, you know, uh, fit the fit the bill. Anyway, long story short, th that was how the relationship started, but it ended with us, you know, being really, really uh, close, you know, and, and really uh, active in each other's lives during the development of the game and everything like that. So it was, you know, he would create, a, you know, an area and then send me, you know, the area or send me the game with, you know, uh, that area built in so that I could play it. And then I would make the music for it. So it was a very active, very back and forth, you know, sort of process that I, I really, really, really enjoyed. He's a great guy. And it was, it was, it is a fun game to this day. I really enjoy playing the game. So, um, but yeah, that was a little lengthy. The bottom line is that's how I ended up joining uh, the team of just the two of us becoming a team as opposed to just the solo dev that he was and um, and yeah from there obviously we just kept going and going and going and yeah 58 tracks later 
here we have the <laughs> the album for for the resulting game, which is a very lengthy, you know, game. All things considered, a lot of different areas, a lot of different, you know, story developments and and things that justified new music in my mind. Yeah, no, that, that's great. I can I can really relate to that um, situation. I know when I was first starting off trying to get into uh, video game composing, I was constantly approaching developers who were making their own games and um you know i was willing to just do everything for free just to get started in the beginning and and yeah some of these guys they just wanted to hold on to every little bit of the game and when the game finally comes out i I check it out and man some of the music was so underwhelming and i didn't realize that um the composer was the developer i sent him a message thinking of one person in particular and said hey next time get me to do it like what you've got here is actually not that great and you know i'd love to give you something better for free um and he's like i did the music myself (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was probably a bit worse than than the way you approach it i can imagine yeah any developer should really appreciate someone coming to them and saying look i really believe in your project and and i want to add even more value yeah to it. yeah i would not have bothered at all if it wasn't for how really amazing the game looked right off the bat and i want to say i i did actually have the same experience which is i didn't know who the composer was i asked you know in as in as sort of gracious and nonchalant way as i could and then once i you know sort of did my pitch or whatever his initial response right off the bat was well i thought it was pretty good talking about his own music, you know? And again, that's this is the thing. You know, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna quickly cover that too because I don't blame him because uh, you may be aware of this concept of as an artist, as you develop your perception changes, your perception also develops. And so what happens is essentially, I'll look at, let's say something I made, you know, five years ago, six years ago or something, and I'll think it doesn't sound that great. Whereas at the time, I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever made, you know? And that's just yeah. because we develop both our perception and our abilities as we go. So again, no blame to him at all, you know? And actually, uh, uh, sorry to touch back on grass fields really quick. That B section that you're referring to is a callback to the main theme. That's actually uh, the, you know, the first track you hear in the game. And that main theme has just a teeny tiny little nugget of a theme that he had originally made. So I did my best to take his materials. Uh, He had, you know, uh, I wanna say about three or four tracks that I gained inspiration from and actually utilized at least a little bit of, or, you know, whatever I I felt was, I guess, usable or or inspiring in and of itself. Um, Some actually quite a bit more than others. Nothing that you have on this playlist uh, that I can see. Oh, actually, one of them might be. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. I'll make sure that's actually one of them. But anyway, the point is that that it wasn't all completely thrown away. You know what I mean? I utilized what I could. He didn't recognize the part of that that I actually used, but it's there. It's like a (laughs) three-note nugget, but it's there. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. All right. Oh, we can talk more about that game as we go through a few more songs. But how about you um, bring us into your first pick that you've got for us? Okay, great. So, yeah, um, as I was saying, I, I sort of balanced it between popular and maybe less popular tracks. And what I did also, which uh, I'm sure you noticed, is I went in chronological order, which, you know, to me was a good way of... of just kind of feeling the chronology of my own life, you know, uh, uh, although mm. I, I actually realize now just looking at the first choice that that came from a game that I didn't play 
before some of the other games. I probably played it a little bit later, but it was in fact created, you know, uh, earliest as far as my particular playlist. So this is uh, this is from the original Metroid for NES uh, by Hip Tanaka, Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. Um, the track itself is Kraid's Lair. It goes by a couple of different names, but basically, you know, the area uh, of Kraid. And um, it's just one of those things where it just has a very specific vibe that I really, really enjoy. And I feel like I end up, um, I guess I end up utilizing a similar emotion in a lot of my music, whether intentionally or otherwise. It's just a specific, uh, darker tone that I tend to gravitate towards. Great. So, yeah, let's do it. Craig's Lair. All right. So that was Kraid's Lair by Hirokazu Hiptanaka for the game Metroid for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And yeah, it's, you know, again, the vibe itself is something that I really like, but I want to give a particular note to the arpeggiation uh, in the, the very last section right before the uh, kind of blippy, delayed, uh, I guess I'll call it a turnaround. So the, the very last section before that, just the way it flows uh, upward in this really interesting way um, is definitely something that I feel like I gravitate toward in arpeggios, which I, I, I use all over the place, frankly. Uh, moving lines, you know, especially inside of, mm. you know, uh, maybe a more prominent melody on top, something like that. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a very specific way of doing it that I, I just have uh, a lot of respect for, you know, it's not just up and down. It's not just, uh, you know, a major triad it's, or a minor triad. It's, it's just a very unique and um, singular approach uh, from what I, you know, interpreted as. Yeah, I, that definitely grabbed me as well when I listened to it. And I think one of the things I really like about this track and uh, similar tracks, I guess you'd say, is you listen to it and there's a there's a familiarity about it that you can instantly connect to but at the same time it's got enough originality that kind of it's it's not predictable it's kind of it has these little interesting twists in there 
Um, so yeah, I won't say too much about it, but I I did really enjoy that track. So yeah, for excellent sure. suggestion. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so oh, let's bring us to your next track, um, the next modal module track that I've um, selected. Again, it's from Super Gear Quest. Now this one, um, I believe it's pronounced Eurudia, and from memory, there's I think there's three versions of this song, three or four. Right. Is that correct? Yes, three. Uh, yeah, and so on. Yeah. So this was, this was probably the hardest decision I had to make, um, just picking which version to use because every version has something about it that I like. And um, I ended up going with this one. This is the Dunes version. So again... Another great song that I really love, the the B section, the chorus, whatever you want to call it, it hits me every time. But we'll talk we'll talk more about it when we come back. So, yep, this is Eurydia June's version from Super Gear Quest by Modal Module. Enjoy.
ladies and gentlemen, that was Eurydia Dune's version from Super Gear Quest by Modal Module. Um, yeah, definitely a very, very cool song. I don't know what it is. It has a, to me, it has a real kind of emotional weight about it. When it gets to that, the B section, um, just the, the melody and the chords just come together so perfectly in my opinion. And, and it does have a, it, it feels like a heavy emotion. I don't know how to describe it any more than that. But in particular, I love that, the one bit in that melody, um, it where it drops, it comes in on the first beat, it drops down, and then it quickly shoots up. I don't know if it's shooting up a seventh or something like that. And um, that, <laughs> I don't know, that's just, that's a, just a cool little thing. I love that so much. I'd love to, um, I'd love to hear you describe how this kind of all fits in, how the three versions of this song fits into the game and... Yeah. And, yeah, how you decide the different parts for, for each bit. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for, you know, your compliments. And yeah, that, that little drop to jump was just a specific thing that I heard in my head. And one of the things I love about, um, you know, sort of music technology is the kinds of things it allows you to do when it comes to, you know, ideas that may come. So that's a good example where there's a portamento slide downward and then it jumps up. So I remember, and this is, I'm, I'm getting nerded. I'm about to nerd out and I actually am gonna nerd out about the game too in a split second. So uh, bear with me here. But you know, uh, when I was growing up, we had this keyboard, you know, that, uh, you know, worked, it, you know, we could kind of fiddle around with it and it had a pitch, pitch, pitch wheel, you know, pitch bender, you know, little wheel thing. Yep. And, but it, it would only go down a whole step or up a whole step. So that was just what we were used to is just being able to do that amount of movement. And so, you know, that blends itself to certain little fun, little synthy tricks, but to be able to, to slide down further than that is actually something that, that, you know, there's ways to do it through actual portamento patching and stuff like that. But long story short, it seems to be a little bit more difficult to do in a lot of, uh, whether it be keyboards or, or synthesizers within, you know, uh, music programs, you know, plugins, things like that. But the program that I use, uh, quick shout out to Bitwig. Uh, this is what I use as my DAW, um, Bitwig Studio, uh, is really a very small, not very well-known program, but it's sort of an offshoot to Ableton. And one of the things I love about that program is within their built-in synth engines, um, it allows for this way of manipulating pitch that's very uh, loose. I mean, it, basically it doesn't really, there's no rules. You can literally bend a note as far as you want. I'm talking, you know, three octaves worth of bending and you can actually do that mm. per note, you know, uh, on the, the piano roll. So it basically gives me a lot of freedom when it comes to those kinds of portamento slides. Whereas, you know, again, if I wanted to hack a solution in a normal DAW, I'd probably be using a separate portamento patch to the normal patch, you know, so that I could, let's say, jump three octaves uh, by holding one note followed by the other note. I mean, obviously, again, this is all stuff that wouldn't make any sense to a non-musician or perhaps somebody who hasn't messed with this kind of stuff. But trust me when I say it's not the easiest thing to do in most situations. And so I'm happy to be able to do those kinds of things. It's just little stupid things like that that make me really love this DAW. There are other things that are really <laughs> basic that it can't do. 
And so, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, you guys gotta, gotta pick up the slack on certain things. Just yesterday, I exported some piano uh, uh, MIDI that I was trying to actually have somebody test through other samples. And normally, when you export MIDI, the sustain pedal uh, MIDI data comes with it. Well, it didn't, and it turns out that Wig doesn't export. <laughs> Uh, sustain pedal data with their MIDI. So why? I don't know. So these are, you know, this is kind of the trade-off, right? So anyway, obviously I digress quite a lot. All that to say, that's that's something that I was able to do using this program, and I'm happy to be able to do that. And so for you to call it out, you know, kind of puts a smile on my face just to think that, you know, that was something that, I mean, I honestly may not have done if it was if it wasn't for the convenience of being able to do it. And that's how it works with my brain. I hear something, uh, a musical idea, and I try to put it down. And if I'm limited by what the software will or will not allow me to do, that sucks, especially if it kills the specific thing that I'm trying to accomplish. So very glad to be able to have accomplished that specific thing and that it, you know, uh, affected you in that way is actually great. Yeah. Now back to what I was about to say, uh, Eurydia uh, is a, a large, large area uh, that is basically separated into, uh, actually, yeah. It is four areas because there's the original Eurydia and then there's the three separate uh, uh, sub areas, if you will, that you have to go to. And each one of them has a slightly different aesthetic and each one of them has its own boss. So, um, uh, you know, the Dunes has this huge T-Rex looking thing. Uh, and then, you know, the tower, for example, has this flying, you know, uh, dragon bat looking guy. And then there's, the other one is, is, is a water uh, enemy. So, you know, again, the aesthetic sort of uh, inspired the music, of course, I would go into that area. And this is, again, literally how I played this or how I made the music for this game. Wherever possible, I would go to that area in the game, be in the game itself, playing the game, immersing myself in that world, and then uh, essentially ask the question, what what would sound good here what what should be here musically you know i would just ask myself that question or ask i don't know uh the air <laughs> the the universe that question <laughs> and then the answer would come into my brain that's that's really my favorite way of making music to be completely honest with you i can sit at a keyboard and i can make whatever i can sit at a piano and play you know jazz or classical or whatever but if it comes from my mind first to me it has the best the the greatest impact it has the most significance so when you mentioned the emotional depth of that B section, that's another thing that I notice I almost always end up at with, with most of my music, even when it's not really all that appropriate. I mean, we're talking about a level. We're not talking about like an emotional, uh, you know, story moment. We're just talking about running around shooting bad guys. You know what I mean? But there's, <laughs> yeah. there's just something that my brain does where it ends up in this emotional place. And I just try not to say no. I essentially just try to go along with whatever it is, follow through with it fully. And then if, you know, let's say the developer isn't a big fan of the idea or, you know, I listen back to it at a later time and realize that it just doesn't fit, so be it. Then I start over and I do it again. But the main thing is to try to, for me, it's to try to, excuse me, it's to try to allow that creative process to flow as smoothly as possible. And anytime I say no, anytime I hesitate, anytime I second guess, that's when uh, it, it comes to a full stop. You know, the creativity is, it's like, you know, turning the spigot off, you know? You wanna keep that spigot flowing as much as possible. At least that's that's how I feel. 
So, uh, so yeah, so basically, you, you know, when you first enter Eurudia, uh, it's supposed to be another dimension, and it's also, you know, uh, uh, sandy and, and, you know, uh, ancient. And so when I first got there, uh, the original track was what I felt. And then when I got into the subsequent areas, it was like, okay, how can I spin that track based on the aesthetics of this particular area? So the dunes obviously being even more sandy. Um, and uh, I, if I remember right, the color was sort of a red, sort of a, a, you know, instead of like brown sand, it was like red sand. So there was just a specific it's like Central that Australia. Came Oh, oh, perhaps. I, I wouldn't know, but I would love to I would love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Literally the sand is the dirt is red. That's so cool. A lot of areas in Central Australia. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 you're totally fine. I, I was going to say one quick really nerdy thing, uh, and again that was in my mind prior to talking about pitch bending, so now we're talking nerdiness within the game. Well also it's it's still musical nerdy, let's face it. If you notice this track is in seven. Um, all the Eurudia tracks are in seven. The prior area to Eurudia is this sort of uh, uh, outdoor temple kind of area that you actually have to do this puzzle in order to uh, activate the portal, quote unquote, that gets you into Eurudia itself. So for that area, I actually uh, was feeling a five uh, meter. And the prior area to that, which is basically just this crystallized uh uh, I don't know, run and gun type area. You're just running through this area to get to the to the temple thing. Uh, uh, was a was a a tune in three. So literally, it went from three to five to seven. And I, I and I think we'll be playing that song. You're right. You're right. Soon. Uh, spoiler Chris, alert. Steep is that was correct. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> but no, it's good to hear these things so that when you hear the song, you can kind of connect um connect true connect yeah all so so crystal step is is essentially two areas before Eurudia itself and Eurudia dunes is you know one of the three areas you can pick which one you go to you know it's essentially just you know uh three paths that you can choose once you're in Eurudia itself but anyway the point is that that three five seven thing the intention was to sort of convey this extension of oddity you know three is not necessarily that odd but it is something that's you know slightly less usual than four right and then five yeah. of course is odd uh, uh in both ways uh both in the number and the the feel you know if you will and then seven is yeah. obviously furthering that odd depending on how you look at it but that was kind of my my own brain's way of interpreting what i was doing because again this all just happened it just so happened right and then i looked back on it and i was like huh that's kind of interesting so i was was half expecting some of my musician buddies to like catch that and be like oh that's cool of course i've never heard anybody mention it at all so i'm mentioning it now as a as a little easter egg for anybody just to have fun with if they're ever playing through the game they can now uh realize that that was something that had happened <laughs> yeah and I'm, i might even put the um other versions on in the background in the um oh, post-production oh. so good, good idea yep um, so yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, really quick, I just want to go back to the grass fields and just explain that the emotion, because you were talking about how it put a smile on your face, and you know, it's it's a fairly uplifting track. It's yeah, you a might bit heroic maybe. Yeah, yeah, heroic. There you go. Good word for it. You might notice that it's one of the only uplifting tracks. There's really only about one other one that comes to my mind right away. Besides, <laughs> like there's like a silly character theme, but the reason for that, I was saying before, how this game is particularly dark, and a lot of it takes place underground. A lot of it takes place in, in literally dark environments, therefore lacking lighting. And Grassfields is the first time you actually get out into the open air. 
And so I wanted to, you know, have that feeling be enhanced in what ways I, I could. And so what came to my mind was this sort of more upbeat, you know, uh, positive thing. It basically feels like, you know, you're finally in a place that, that you know, has a little bit of, of uh, hope in it, you know? Yeah, well, I think you've, you've definitely nailed that. But why don't we, let's move on to your next uh, selection that you've got for us. Absolutely. And I apologize. I know we've been going on very, very long here. I'll try to make it somewhat concise. So yeah, my next track uh, is one that I definitely played uh, the game of uh, when I was a kid. So this is definitely a little more accurate to chronology for me. Uh, it's Mega Man 5 uh, for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, which was composed by Mary Yamaguchi, and we're playing Crystal Man Stage. Now, I could have literally picked any track from this game. They're all great. I could have picked, <laughs> honestly, just about any track from any NES Mega Man. I love all of the music. There is not a single game that I really don't like the music from. I know there are some people who really only like, you know, Mega Man 2, for example, that kind of thing. But for me, I yeah. love every single one. They're all very... They're all slightly different, especially in the later games. They really tried to experiment a bit more. And I actually wanted to give a shout out to this game, this composer, because it, you know she was trying different things. And I really, really appreciated the results. So yeah, Crystal Man Stage was just the one that that called to me at that particular moment, but it, it could have been any. You know, Anybody who's never heard any of these game soundtracks or, or this particular game soundtrack, listen to it because it's fantastic. All right, Crystal Man Stage, here we go. for Mega Man 5 on the NES. What a really cool song. A uh, couple things I want to touch on. Um, I, I consider it an intro A-B. So the intro section is kind of just this little interesting groove thing. And then really the, the melody comes in at the, a, at the A. And it's just this soaring, you know, long note melody, which I think really 
connects to me because I end up doing a lot of long note melodies. It's just this, you know, sort of vocal uh, way of approaching in, uh, a melody as opposed to, you know, let's say on a an, an instrument that, that is more plucky is going to have a more active melody because you can't really hold a note anyway. So this is, you know, the other approach is just like a, a, an instrument. Well, a violin's a good example too, where you can really elongate a note and give it vibrato and everything. So that's one thing I just wanted to call out that that I have a tendency to do that. And again, I really feel like my roots are, are here as well as, you know, again, that emotional tinge, that, that really melody driven uh, approach, you know, as opposed to like a bunch of little layers that are excuse me, moving within each other. So there's just something about that that I've always loved. And of course, you know, uh, it makes sense that would sort of reflect back into the music that I make. The other thing I wanted to say was um, the actual chord progression in that A section is something that I've really, I've always gravitated toward as well, which is, you know, again, a little musical nerd moment, but but a one minor to flat six major. There's, there's something about that emotional shift that I just, I've always loved. The minor itself being just that dark, sort of serious, potentially badass vibe. And then the flat six being, to me, like a hope. Like, you know, you're taking something that, that had a serious nature to it and you're giving it a hope, you're giving it an epicness, you're giving it this, this positive tinge. You know, the lightness, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel or the light, you know, inside the darkness, that kind of thing. That balance between those two, to me, has always been really, really important. And so I actually believe Craig's Lair has that too during its A section. So kind of funny. Uh, I didn't I didn't intend to do that, but it, again, <laughs> where you start to see the the I guess general inspirations that I have. And then lastly, the B section is just super rad. Just like changing all over the place. It's a really good contrast to the A, which is very you know again elongated. The B section is very active and it has a lot of different changing chords as well as actually. Uh, I think maybe a key change and stuff like that. Just a lot of movement happening there. Uh, and then of mm. course, just loops right back to the intro. Also just just in this NES era, just how perfect the loops are, how simple the format is. You know, you've got potentially two, three sections and that's it. And then you just loop right back is something that I still tend to do to this day. I actually find myself, uh, uh, again, when I'm hearing what I hear in my head, I'm finding myself hearing that loopback point so quickly, sometimes a minute, sometimes a minute and a half, and that's it. And there are times where the developer wants a longer loop, you know, they don't want it to loop so fast. And of course, if like, let's say it's a really long uh, area of the game, you know, you don't want it to be looping 10 times before, you know, you change over. I try to, you know, I try to gauge the length of the music that I make based on uh, how many repetitions it'll happen because I don't want it to sound repetitive in the game itself. So that's that's yeah. part of my thought process. But but if if it were up to me in a sort of natural setting, I'm probably going to make a minute and a half worth of music, which is probably going to be two, three, maybe four sections, and then it loops back. And that's just the way I do things. And I I realize that that really that's the way they did things back then. And you know I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it for me. You know. Yeah, and before we move on, I think I'd just say a couple of things about chiptune music. That track in particular, like, for me, I am a person who does not like chiptune music, basically. Oh, you don't but like chiptune? Is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, hmm. But what I have developed over yeah, the last couple of years, basically, and a lot of props go to the Super Mercado Bros for their podcast. Yes. I've really learned to appreciate... Um, well, really, how amazing some of these chip tunes really are. Um, 
the you know the, the limitations involved and you know a song a track like that that we just listened to I don't I listen to that I don't necessarily hear you know old tech or anything like that I just hear a song that is using all the little elements really well like the drum sound cool the little noise percussion <laughs> that kind of thing and yeah. everything just comes together really nicely same with um with Craig's Lair that I think that was a great chip tune track yeah and um so yeah I'm natural I wouldn't say I, I don't like chip tune. I naturally don't like chip tune. There's always except there's always exceptions. And I will say, I will say um, I really I don't know if, if this sounds good or not, but I actually really love some of your chip tune music, which I'm not going to play. I was originally going to play some of it, but I really appreciate your kind of creative approach to. I think you mostly. Um, use Game Boy trackers, is that correct? Uh, okay, so, yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I should just answer that uh, simply. Uh, no, I don't just <laughs> use Game Boy trackers, but I will say that I spent a lot of time on the Game Boy uh, tracker called LSDJ uh, at a point yeah. in my life, uh, enough to make an entire album's worth of music. I have a 35-track album that's all LSDJ, but I've definitely used others, uh, be it NES, Famitracker, or Genesis, Deflamask. Um, you know, I've done different stuff with different trackers for different purposes. Uh, but yeah, Game Boy's definitely, it's got a very specific sound, but frankly, it was really this, just the convenience. Um, I actually had an mm. emulator going on my phone and I could just literally make music wherever I was because my phone was always with me. And so it was just one of those things where I just kept going and going and going with it. And yeah, just, just to touch on what you were saying, I could interpret what you're saying as basically that there wasn't anything about chiptune in the past that appealed to you, and perhaps it was because you just hadn't heard the specific tracks, and also to hear beyond the sound. Because the, the reality is, and this yeah. is so funny, it was the Mercado Bros that brought that up to me. And also, by the way, quick shout out to them for essentially connecting us, because we were both fans of that podcast, and that's how we ended up getting to know each other. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so thanks, thanks, bros, for that. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say was they brought up a really good point, which I never thought about because I grew up with these sounds and it just, you know, it just, for me, it was just normal. But for somebody who really isn't that used to the sounds, they can be really harsh, you know, and especially for somebody like you maybe who, and this is an assumption, you can tell me whether I'm right, but because you, you, you are a synthesist, you know, you can, you can create sounds, uh, with keyboards and, 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 you know, and, you know, analog synth gear and, and you know how to manipulate tone. You know that if it's going to sound harsh, you're going to turn the filter, you you know, low pass filter down to, to smooth it out, that kind of thing. They didn't have that option, mm. right? And so it was literally just the full harsh, you know, pulse waveform or whatever, you know, depending on the tracker or depending on the console, the, the, the chip. Um, and that, yeah, so, so if you can't hear past that harsh sound, you can't get into the you know appreciation of the material. And this is a great example, this song where you can separate it from the tones, right? You could imagine it with different instrumentation. You could imagine it being arranged, let's say for a, a rock band, you know, and it would actually work really, excuse me, really well. And, and I think that's really kind of the, the biggest thing about somebody who isn't into chiptune on the surface level is if they're able to hear past the sounds and into, you know, really the, the material itself, uh, then, then they'll probably appreciate the material. Now, that said, 
not all chiptune is created equal. Not all uh, uh, games had amazing <laughs> music. You know, there were those solo devs even back then, or ones that you know the programmer was also given the task of making the music and. God help them, right? <laughs> they were doing what they could based on their knowledge. But yeah, uh, when you had somebody like Mary Yamaguchi, who is literally a composer hired by Capcom to make music, and in fact, you know, a career composer at that, you know, that, that was literally doing the nine to five thing, uh, she was on her A game. You know, she was making incredible yeah. music for a lot of different games for a long, long time. To this day, she's still active. You know, and yeah, now she doesn't have to deal with the limitations, so she can make music that has any type of sound palette she wants. She still goes back to Chip, though, once in a while, because there's a nostalgic bent to it, because some people, like me, grew up with it, and so we automatically have a connection uh, that's sort of visceral, right, to these sounds. These sounds that, for most people, sound harsh and sound, you know, uh, nasty, uh, happen to just... just hit us in the sweet spot it brings us back to being six years old you know playing our nintendo yeah um yeah well i think it for me i think it was chip tune was spoiled by um when i was trying to get into game composing and there's so many people doing horrible chip tune music oh that, that okay kind of okay sure <laughs> well and, and actually but, um, and that... i don't have the nostalgia connected either oh you don't yeah like what was your first no. system uh, PlayStation. Ah, yeah. Okay. See, yeah. So it was, for com- sure. you know, I had DOS, and I, I listened to music through a PC speaker, which is probably about as harsh. Oh yeah, <laughs> as it can get. Oh no, absolutely. Speaker. Yeah, and of course, but that. But speak that 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 world also didn't really have that many good composers in it. If I'm being honest, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So really quick, I just wanted to mention. Um, uh, nope, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. What were you gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. I was going to say, speaking of harsh sounds, I would love to move on to our next Super Gear Quest because this is this is a harsh but really, this is a rocking song. This yeah. really like, yeah. this gets me going listening to this and yeah, we'll just get it going and we'll come back and talk about it. This is Program Rage, again from Super Gear, Gear, Super Gear Quest by Modal Module. Enjoy everyone.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Program Rage from Super Gear Quest by Modal Module. And Modal, I believe you were telling me while we were playing then that that song originally was one of the developers started off as one of the developer's songs so it's very interesting that out of all the tracks i I brought that one in well yeah and that's the thing i i uh i was saying that i i was considering sort of letting you know and by the way if you go to the band camp and you click on the individual tracks there is individual crediting so i gave him credit either as the inspiration uh you know for a track or etc um for the tracks that he uh had any involvement in uh unintentionally or otherwise and so yeah that track was one of the sort of battle-oriented tracks that he had actually made where when I listened to it, I was like, you know what? This is not bad. I could actually work with this, you know? And so I took almost the entire structure as it was, okay? So the drum beat, the the, the, the tempo, uh, the, the development where, you know, it sort of breaks down and, and, and builds back up. I took really all of that. And then what I did was, I mean, I, I, I think... I remember right he actually gave me midi because he was using a completely different program so i of course uh uh used my own instrumentation and then i just manipulated that which i didn't really you know think was that great or maybe thought could be improved or whatever and then i just added a couple of little extra you know fun things so a lot of those sort of faster runs especially the harmonies were actually uh things that i had added but yeah uh you know credit 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 is due he actually made a really cool interesting track and i just used that as the foundation and built it up from there and i didn't want to you know remove any of the tracks that i thought were usable i just wanted to see if i could you know improve buff them up a little bit and so that was that was a really good example i'm actually really glad you picked that track because i think based on what (laughs) i had said before about his music not being great or whatever that's an example of 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 you know, maybe the opposite. You know, it was actually it was it was pretty cool, but it was definitely very very different than maybe what I would have done. There are some other tracks that yeah. are sort of I guess I'll say more like metal. You know, guitar centric that I that I did in the game that would have been my approach to like a boss. You know, whereas his was more like almost like a dance track, don't you think? Like the the drum beat, you know, it's yeah, got that. yeah, it's uh, <laughs> definitely more rock rather than. Um than metal but yeah. yeah it's it's got a it's got a very it's quite simple it's got a solid groove and yeah i love those those melodies and those harmonies that come in they're very very sinister yeah but um, yeah, how about you take us to how about you take us to your next pick all right um, this is something that i think i should know about but i don't think i do to be honest well no this is this is a perfect example of what i was talking about about trying to get you know trying to pick tracks pick games pick composers that you know i feel like haven't really been celebrated much and honestly um uh were very impactful for me personally so ranger x uh uh which was a genesis game um was composed by yoshinobu hiraiwa noriyuki iwadare was it just those two? Oh no yeah th- i think this track was just yoshinobu Hiraiwa, if I if I remember correctly, but anyway, the point is that um, it. So <laughs> we got this game as a as a present. Uh, I think it was maybe a Christmas present or something like that. 
And my brother, by the way, and I, uh, a couple years apart, we both played a lot of games together. And so a lot of times, you know, grandma or somebody would get him a game and me a game. And it was just like, whatever. Like, it was so funny because when we first saw the cover of this game, we're like, <laughs> what the heck is this? Like, it looked awesome. It's It's got a, you know, a mech on the front, but he looks all sleek and stuff. Just look it up. Ranger X, uh, you know, anybody Google image search and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's just a really cool looking game. And as soon as we popped it in, the very first thing that happens, the music just kicks right off and it's just so good. Like the music in this entire game is incredibly good. You know, everything from like, you know, melodic rock type stuff to to really unique, I don't even know what to call it stuff. Stuff that I really don't think I've ever heard anything like even today. Um, so, you know, they were really trying something different and, and I think they did a great job. And again, I have only heard I mean, I could count on one hand the amount of people that I've heard even talk about this game or its soundtrack in my entire life because it isn't a very well-known game. Um, it was a very hard game, so maybe that's part of it. Like, it just wasn't, you know, fun in the sun like Mario or something like that. But it was, you know, again, the music just absolutely kicked ass. And so I just picked, again, just any given track that really spoke to me at the time when I was listening to it. But you could pick any track from this game or listen to the whole soundtrack and there's going to be lots of really good stuff there. So what I picked was um, what we... Uh, when I looked it up was called stage four to battleship boss. I remember it was a boss. I don't remember exactly the details of the boss itself, but really great tracks. So here we go. Stage four to battleship boss from Ranger X on the Genesis by Yoshinobu Hiraiwa. All right. tune so much okay so that was ranger x uh for the genesis the track was stage four two battleship boss by yoshinobu hiraiwa my freaking hero man oh my god Ah, where to begin 
crazy, crazy yeah, ARPs right off the bat. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Crazy ARPs, you could never even imagine trying to play that physically, although I would love to try, frankly. Um, but then just, just like you were saying while we were playing, that bass line, it's just super heavy and just consistent, you know, just just, just yeah. driving. Um, the only thing- that I, one bit where it just, or the one bit where the bass kind of just cuts out mm -hmm. for a few bars and then mm -hmm. boom, comes back in, it just hits. Yeah, it hits. heavy. Actually, it was a good follow-up <laughs> track to Program Age because I, I feel like he, he sort of, uh, incorporated that same idea of breaking down and, and building back up and, and you know you, you when you create any sort of break in music it 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 it's like a it becomes like an exclamation point when you come back in you know it's like oh there it is you know yeah. and yep. so yeah they both kind of did that the one thing i feel like i would love to hear and and frankly i'll probably do a remix of this track one day uh is more on the drum department you know it's really just kind of a simple snare pattern and i would love to hear like more of a full-blown you know, drum beat to kind of go along with it. I don't know exactly mm. what I would do, but just something heavy because the bass line is so heavy and just everything going on. And again, by the way, long noted melody along with really dark, uh, you know, sort of emotional tones. So just, just again, kind of hammering that point of the things that I really gravitate toward. Now, I don't, I, I don't think all of my music necessarily is represented by those, by those things, but it just. They're definitely things that I really love. And so I'm sure they end up in my music, you know, uh, at least often enough. Yeah, I think with these two Genesis tracks you've picked, a few little bits stood out to me, like that I noticed that similarities between your music and and this music. But um, yeah, I think even that, the lack of drums... Um, <laughs> to me, that bass, that bass is almost a drum in itself. It's that, it's that uh, crisp and, and You're right. heavy. You're definitely yeah. right. Yeah, for sure. It's giving the energy that the drums could be giving, and that's like for me. You know, I, I, I'm a musician that's played in bands, and actually was a drummer before I even played keys. Or, or at the same time, I started composing. I was, I was learning to play the drum set. But I really, I do tend to think of things in a band-centric way. So I think, you know, the drummer mm. and the bassist, you know, the rhythm section, right, are, are, are really important. And yep. a lot of times they're locked into each other. So most of my music sort of represents that as well. And so that's where my mind goes. But you're right. If, if we were to look at this from the, you know, the lens of, let's say, orchestral music, of course, the marching sort of snare pattern makes perfect sense. And then something else is creating that driving emotion that I would think uh, in a band setting, the drums would be sort of the one doing, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our next Super Gear Quest track. And this, yeah, I think we're going to change the vibes a bit here. This is, I, one thing I really love about this, again, I believe you, uh, this is the, uh, this is the track that's in three. Yes. And um, Crystal Step, is it? Is that how yeah. you pronounce that? Yeah, Step. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love the kind of perpetual... I, I'm not sure what the, the right words to describe this, but the perpetual kind of motion that the rhythm has and the, um, yeah, it all just comes together, just kind of flows on and on, not in a repetitive way, but, you know, every time it comes back to that first beat, it's like you're ready for it, you're ready for it again, you're ready for it again. And the, um, the way the melody works, it's kind of in the background, it's not really too far at the front but the, the way the melody works is it sounds <laughs> this is probably interesting it sounds really um easy to listen to but when i am trying to imagine this song in my head and trying i'm trying to sing it back to myself 
actually really struggle. So, um, but I love it. This is, this is great. So I'd love everyone to hear this track. This is Crystal Step from Super Gear Quest, Gear Quest by Modal Module. Enjoy. Super Gear Quest by Modal Module. Fantastic song. I put the headphones on and just get lost in all those bell sounds. And yeah, that the rhythm, the way everything all just it all just comes together. The drum beat, the um Yeah, I don't know. I love it. It's great. Oh. I'd love to hear you um you know, go into a little bit of detail about, about this track. Well, I, I first of all, I'm really glad that you picked this one, and um, also I noticed that that was you know your favorite when you did a little review on on Bandcamp. Thank you for that. Um, it stood out the first time, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it, it 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 was one that I was debating about. The the long story short, that area that I was telling you, which is like a you know, there's basically just big crystals popping up everywhere, and the whole area has this sort of crystally vibe. I was prepared to create a track for it, and then I, I remembered that there was actually a track I made before I actually started uh, pursuing 
composing uh, for for games, you know, uh, in earnest. I actually made a track based on. So long story short, I was like, you know what? I want to make a track, and I want to be inspired by a specific type of area, etc. So I actually literally called this track originally Crystal Cave, and it was just I envisioned what a crystal cave would look like in a game, and I made this track based on that inspiration. This was literally hmm. years before Super Gear Quest uh, was even something I knew about, right? So I decided to use that track because, frankly, it was already there. It was ready to go. It was a really cool track. I really liked it when I made it, and it didn't serve a specific purpose and so I brought that up with the developer and I showed him the song and he was like well yeah I mean I, I like it so why not you know kind of thing so it's interesting because not only was this inspired not directly by this game but just by a general concept but it was also at a different point in my life uh, creatively and um, I was actually doing a lot more live looping and stuff like that back then I was actually doing a lot of uh, sort of performance using pad controllers and things like that very different than you know oh, yeah. sitting at a keyboard I was I was really experimenting a lot uh, is what I'm trying to say and it was more about can I reproduce this in a live setting? I was actually initially envisioning performing these things live and live looping each part as I develop them and et cetera. So that's why there's a lot of repeated loops within the music uh, uh, for this particular track. So, you know, the fact that that appealed to you is actually really fascinating for me because it's not an approach that I typically take these days. So in a way, it's sort of like testament to that that you know it might be good to implement those kinds of things in more and, and maybe be less afraid not i don't know if afraid is the right word but less hesitant to repeat things so many times because i agree there's a lot of music that i enjoy too that has this repetitive nature what it does is it creates this sort of mantra feeling right it's like this mm -hmm. meditation yep. right of this thing that's just flowing over you you know watching the ocean the wave comes in it goes out it comes in it goes out there's a specific feeling that comes from that redundance uh re repetition uh, anyway, all that to say, I really liked this track way back. I really liked it when I was considering what to put in the game. I decided to put it in the game, and I mean, not only am I glad to put it in the game because it finally served a purpose, but doubly so that you know somebody like you actually was able to vibe on it <laughs> as you did. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. Um, so that's probably one of the that could be the oldest song that we're playing on this uh, podcast. I imagine, as far as the songs I've written, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, why don't you introduce us to your next pick? Awesome. Okay. So this is another, you know, maybe deep cut. It's maybe slightly more popular than Ranger X. This game is called Rocket Knight Adventures. I always forget if it's plural or singular. I had to look. Um, and uh, it is, yeah, like I said, Genesis. Uh, this particular track apparently uh, is being credited to Akihata who I discovered afterward is like kind of like a pop singer. Of course, this could be a different Akihata, but that's what it seemed like they were connecting the dots to a pop, yeah, okay. uh, like, you know, star or whatever in Japan. Um, yep. And this, this track, I mean, the, again, another example where the entire game has amazing music. This game is like an all-star cast of composers, by the way. I, I don't have the list in front of me, but you, you just gotta trust me. It's Konami, and it's just lots of really amazing uh, Konami composers uh, that that jumped in on this, on this game. And so you've got a lot of variety of different kinds of tracks, and some of them are super, super, super good. Be it like a, a orchestral, by the way, Genesis orchestral, but good Genesis orchestral is very hard to fine so so that that's cool and then you've got like super you know uh fusiony you know funky stuff that's just incredible with like virtuosic 
keyboard solos and stuff. Of course, it's probably programmed, but the point is that it's programmed such that it feels like somebody's playing, and it's really, really good. Yeah. This track is a little more on the electronic bent because, of course, this is a synth podcast, so that was part of the reason I chose this particular track. But also, uh, it's just got a really, really good vibe, and um, just a little backstory to the area. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't actually name the track yet. So Deep Space was one title that I saw. It's the sixth stage of the game. So stage six is kind of, you know, maybe a more generic title, but uh, it literally is taking place in space. Most of the game, you're 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 walking around, you know, in like, you know, whatever, a forest or, or in a castle or things like that. But this is like later on in the game, you literally get blown out of a cannon into space and you're literally flying around space. Uh, Rocket Knight is like this... <laughs> A possum, I think, and he's got like a knight armor on, and he's just in in this in this level. He's got his rocket boosters going, so he's just flying through space with his with his little goggles on and his sword, you know, facing forward. Uh oh. So yeah, um, starting off at at the description of the the character. So Rocket Knight uh, is actually the main character. He's like an opossum and he's got a, like a knight outfit on. And uh, so when he's in space, he's literally got his rocket boosters going and he's got his sword pointed forward. He's got these little goggles on. So it's just this really cool look. Uh, and you know, you're out in space and there's a bunch of like crazy robots and stuff out to get you. Uh, and yeah, this this track is just so perfect for the level. It just fits so well. In fact, the snarly, you know, harsh sound of the Genesis works perfectly with the sound effects and the, you know, because there's a lot of metallic stuff happening, your metal sword clashing mm. against metal enemies. So it's really just this vibe that altogether is just great. So anyway, without further ado, uh, stage six, deep space from Rocket Knight Adventures by Akihata for the Genesis. Here we go. All right.
<laughs> that was excellent. So many, so many cool bits in that song. Oh my god! All right, so God, so good. We're back. Uh, <laughs> stage six, Deep Space, Akihata, Rocket Knight Adventure, Genesis. Oh man, so cool. Just so many things about it, and there's so many different parts, and each part has its own, you know, cool features. The very beginning, just super heavy. Uh, I don't know, baseline, I guess yep. you could say. But then that that funny synth brass comes in. And then yeah, then it's like it's like almost just kind of a techno groove, and it's just you know it's just doing its thing, just going along. And then before you know it, these crazy arps come in, and this beautiful long you know chord section that just oh man, it's just great. I I, I you know I don't really have to say more. I'm sure it speaks for itself. It's a fantastic track. No, I'm track. definitely gonna go back and check out these soundtracks that I haven't listened to because yeah, that that was amazing. And I I think I say this too much, but. That gave me some Yellow Magic Orchestra vibes. It really had some of those sections. Anyway, had a real like oh, 70s kind of um, yeah. techno pop sound to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense because, like I said, I believe she's a pop, you know, artist and, and you know, obviously makes her own music. And I'm sure there's that that inspiration. Also, quick shout out to Mark Auto Bros again because I didn't even know who IMO was before them. <laughs> they mentioned them kind of in passing, like when relating to a different, you know, video yep. game track or whatever. And that's the thing is that, you know, the roots, right? So a lot of these games, a lot of these composers have their roots in earlier music as well, uh, be it, you know, uh, J Fusion or you know rock or metal or or uh prog yep. you know and 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 those are my roots too you know if i really go back those are the kinds of things that i really gravitated toward outside of video games but what's funny is it kind of goes both ways because there were certain things certain genres let's say that i had heard first in a video game and then later heard sort of the origins of that genre and went oh that's what they were inspired yeah, by yep. to make this music you know, so I got to I got to say that's actually a really important thing to me is understanding that, you know, everything is inspired by everything else. And no matter what, there's going to be a route that you can find that's further back. And of course, we're going all the way back to classical music and, and you know, whatever Gregorian chants or whatever, you could just keep going. But a lot of people who kind of hate on something for sounding like something else don't understand that that's just how it works. And really that that young person who hears that Okay, I'm going to give you an example. Undertale, right? Yep. Uh, young person who who played Undertale and go, oh man, this music is so great, but doesn't realize that it's really connected and very inspired by earlier music. It doesn't matter. They're hearing something that they enjoy. They're hearing something that inspires them. And frankly, the person that made that music has a smile on their face knowing that they're paying homage to those past composers yeah, as for well. Sure. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like we're all just paying forward this amazing thing, you know, this 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 beautiful, magical, amazing thing called music. You know, we're all just passing it along, um, and and there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, I think I used to obsess over trying to come up with something stuff that's unique and in, like you know sometimes just plain weird, but um, yeah, to be able to just kind of let go of that and just just play just write some music and not worry about it sounding like something else often that freedom sends you somewhere else anyway and you end up creating this kind of hybrid of starting off someplace that's kind of familiar and ending up with something new i think some of my yeah some of my best songs i've i've started with all right i'm gonna kind of take inspiration from this track and just see what i can do with it um 
quick, quick, uh, quick yeah. tag onto that. First of all, I, I, I had a similar path, and I think most of us do, especially when we're young. You know, maybe it's an age thing, maybe it's an experience thing. But when, when, when I was starting out, I was very. I actually started making music at like nine years old, but I had melodies in my head since I was a kid. But the point is that when I was first starting out, I would, I would supersede what I heard in my head to just do some crazy thing because I just wanted it to be different and I wanted it to be mm. impressive and I wanted it to, you know what I mean, turn heads or whatever. Of course, nobody ever heard that stuff anyway. So <laughs> what does it matter? But you know, it's just that 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 energy that 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 people tend to put into things where they're really trying, you know, kind of thing. And I'm at this stage now where it's the opposite. I don't try. I just let it flow. And I I believe that that's you know uh, uh, my best way of making music. There's no wrong way to mu- make music, and however anybody does it is great for them. And you know, as you develop, you might you might alter that, and that's okay too. But what I was going to say really quickly was. This was uh, uh, Dave Posey uh, was my improv, what was it called? Advanced improv uh, uh, instructor. I I went to music college. That's actually the only music education I've gotten. Um, And he explained basically transcribing people's solos, but I feel this is a more general concept is when you transcribe somebody's solo and understand what it was that they were doing, what, what decisions they were making at that moment, you're putting that into your brain and it's like this big, pot of Mm. stew and you're literally just stirring this stew with all these different ingredients of all these different solos all these different musical ideas from different people even if it's just that you're listening to the music i think it still goes in the pot you know and you just stir it stir it stir it and then years later years later maybe months maybe days but most of the time years later you pull out a scoop of 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 that stew and what it is is an amalgamation of all of these different inspirations and it's not a direct i'm gonna copy this person's thing it just so happens that this little teeny nugget came from this one solo from this one artist from this one record kind of thing you know and uh you know that when he explained that that was a huge light bulb moment for me because it's 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 something that i felt like naturally happened but i never had you know the way of really describing it and that's literally music in my mind again going back to this idea of the roots you know yeah you could you could literally say that i'm trying to make something that sounds like this other you know composer or other track but i'm saying most of the time in general if it happens, it's by accident, and it's only this small fragment, and all these fragments are combining to form this unique thing. No matter what, it's gonna have your energy in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you don't even have to worry; just just go for it. You know? Yeah. Well, on that note, I want to move to this next track, and <laughs> this is this is a very interesting next track. This is gonna be the last of our Super Gear Quest tracks that we play on this episode, um, at least for now. This, to me, I think something I appreciate about you is, this is just from the outside looking in, I don't really know if this is how you go about things, but you don't seem afraid to um, just run with an idea and just go, just take it all the way to the end. And I think this next track, for me, I hope this doesn't come across as offensive, but this next track is a really silly song and it is just to me I mean that in the best way it sounds like you've just gone with this this idea and you've just pushed it to the max and there's nothing I hate more than um people who you know they just they hold everything back everything has to be by the books and I don't know Mm -hmm. I, I love this next song we'll let the listeners decide what they think for themselves but this is this is an excellent track silly funny intense i don't i don't even know well let's let the music speak for itself this is ancient weapon one from super gear quest by modal module 
Wow. <laughs> what an intense song. I absolutely love that. It's just kind of no holding back. It's just all the way to the top. And my goodness, from the insane drums to the, um, yeah, the orchestra hits. And uh, the bit that got me when I listened to that song, the bit that really got me was those ascending bits. Um, I'll do my best to inter- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to make... <laughs> It's just so good. Which your your version, by the way, sounds like uh like a car, you know, like a, a manual stick shift that's <laughs> shifting gears, and I could totally hear how that that sort of energy is in in the track as oh, well. It, yeah, it is just shifting up the intensity every every one of those accents. Excellent stuff. I right. love it. Thank you. Oh uh, yes. Yeah, so what? How does this fit into the game? I'd love to know. Ancient weapon to me. Listening to this song, and I know it's pretty sure there's an even more intense version later on in the soundtrack. But this, oh, <laughs> this yeah. sounds like this sounds like the ultimate boss to me. <laughs> right. So okay. So uh, you know, without going into too much detail, Ancient Weapon is uh, uh, a specific boss that comes around multiple times in the game, and it is technically considered. Uh, something powerful enough to end the entire world, you know. Um, and the the main bad guy is trying to harness its power for that purpose. He's just this maniacal, you know, evil dude. He's just like, oh, I'm just going to destroy everything. I'll employ this ancient weapon to do that. Um, and so the first time you fight it, it actually isn't fully. Uh, it, it was. It's an ancient weapon. It's old, and so it was like broken down, and so it wasn't fully repaired by the time you first fight it. So as each uh, subsequent uh, version happens, you know, and you're fighting it, it's it's obviously uh, uh, it gets more powerful, and therefore the music ramps up. the The entire idea behind this track was literally just chaos, because the 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 boss fight itself is chaos. It's <laughs> this game's actually really really darn hard. Like I I struggled to beat it, and um, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where as a composer, as a composer of video games music but also a lover of video games that's like i want to beat every game that i compose for you know so it was like i really took it upon myself but it's a hard game and this boss is such a freaking bitch he's just really really like okay he splits into different parts and each of those parts shoots different things at you and each of those bullets uh does you know like one is homing and one is straight and then there's a big laser and then there's missiles like there's just so many different things happening to try to dodge everything is just you know, you're not gonna. You're gonna end up getting hit a lot. So that was the energy of the boss. And so, of course, my way of trying to replicate that energy with the music was, okay, just go go, go crazy, you know, go ham. And, you know, again, this was what was in my head in the first place was this really strange uh, arpeggio that goes back and forth. And, and then, of course, the, the drums that go along with it and all that kind of stuff. I should clarify, too, I, I, I said I played drums, drum set since I was nine years old, actually, is the, is the specific time. I was really into rock and then later metal, and I actually have played in metal bands. So this, you know, this, at least the drum portion of this really represents me as a drummer. You know, I could be playing these parts. I actually did sequence all the tracks on, uh, all the drums on this game, but I have actually uh, played 
uh, performed drums for for certain tracks for certain games. So you know that's that's always an option. But basically for for ease and speed and whatever, a lot of times I'll just sequence. But I sequence based on how I would play it out. And so yeah, sometimes it's beyond my capabilities. This track is I think an example that I would probably be able to play. But it's definitely got the energy of what I would bring to the table if I was to play it on drums. Which brings up a, a really fun concept of like playing this stuff live someday. You know what I mean? Like maybe if I yeah. could hire out some other musicians and actually just shred this on drums, why not? That'd you know kind of thing. But anyway, I, dig I digress. That was the reason that it is so bombastic and over the top and ridiculous was literally that the boss himself <clears throat> is absolutely insane. If you ever try to play it, you're going to get pissed off. You're going to swear. You're going to want to throw the controller. Uh, that's just how it is. And so, you know, a lot of times I try to kind of compensate for those moments to make music that's maybe pleasant and, and sort of motivating. But this time I was like, nah, I'm just going to go for something absolutely <laughs> ridiculous to go along with it. So silly was your yeah, no, word for it. I definitely think that Ridiculous is a better word, the, I think. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I think it. I think it's synonymous as far as that interpretation, that, that definition of silly. Absolutely. But it's not like cheesy, you know, campy, you know, happy-go-lucky, which of course is... Uh, I can think of at least one track that's like that in this game as well, which was a character theme. So anyway, yeah, all that to say, yes, ridiculous track. I, I actually think it's funny that you picked that among the options, but I guess just for the energy change, because it was very different from the yeah, other ones. Yeah, no, I had, I had to put that in, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> very, very right. good. What, Fair enough. What do you got for us next? All right, so uh, we're actually still continuing chronologically, but again, a little bit different as far as me. Uh, when I said I... I I played a lot of Mega Man games when I was a kid. I was talking about the NES games, but also the Super Nintendo games. So this is from the uh, Super Nintendo uh, Mega Man, and it's actually Mega Man X2, which again, a little bit of a digression because Mega Man X is the most popular of the three that were on Super Nintendo um, in the X series. I'm not gonna go into details. The point is X2 is maybe a little bit less popular, but in my opinion, it's actually my favorite, mainly for the sound uh, the quality mm. of the sounds. So um, Yuki Iwai was the composer, sole composer for this game, whereas Mega Man X actually had a, a, a number of composers. And I think, you know, Mega Man X was earlier in the SNES, so maybe they weren't, they they, they didn't have as good a handle of the sampling because it's very hard, apparently, it's very hard to, to create good samples for the SNES. But by X2, it seemed like they really had a good handle because it just sounded so good. And so um, that was one of the reasons. The other reason was I, I really liked this composer's approach uh, to to the music. Um, the level I chose, or the the music for the level I chose, was Crystal Snail's Stage. Um, and yeah, Mega Man X2 SNES. Let's right. do it.
right, yeah. So that was uh, Crystal Snails stage by Yuki Iwai for Mega Man X2 on the SNES. Uh, really, really kind of interesting yeah. track. Um, again, it was it was the one that called to me when I was going through this uh, soundtrack to pick a song. I could have literally picked any of them because, again, I really like this entire soundtrack. Uh, but it is a really interesting one in a more sort of prog sense. You know, there's a lot of meter changes. There's a lot of really interesting just kind of emotional shifts and things like that. It's, it's you know... Kind of like the Ranger X track, it's it's kind of hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, but it's just very, very unique. Mm, yep. You know what I mean? And I, I think that these composers should be celebrated because, you know, they aren't the most popular. Yuki Y, I don't know that she's done many other things, um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've heard much else from her, but, you know, I just love this soundtrack so much. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, sp- speaking of great music... I would love to move on to this next track. This could be, this could be one of my favorite tracks of this episode. Um, I think we're still That's so. Awesome. We're going to move on to a different name, a uh, different game now. So this is a work yep. in progress game, uh, Kill the Dragon, and this has been going for a number of years. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely, and it is still in development. Um, there was a bit of a break. Uh, again, this is a solo dev. Oh, no, you know what? I think he hires out for some of the art, but for the most part, he's doing it by himself. Uh, he goes by Picky Source. Um, and yeah, he, he kind of took a break here and there. And, and there was a point where I thought, oh, no, like, is this game, you know, going to stop development? I'm sure you've dealt mm. with that, too, where it's like they just kind of disappear or the game just they, they decide to yeah. quit, you know, kind of thing. And it's just it's depressing Definitely. when that happens. But uh, but no, he's still working on it. He's just kind of, you know, it's it's a piecemeal sort of deal. So it's been a while and, and it's still going to be a little bit longer. But it's a, it's a top-down, uh, I think they call it like a roguelite, you know, where, where you die and you start over and you have like powers that you can utilize, but just for that, that run through the game. It's the idea of like running through a game a bunch of different times and you're gonna die a lot because it's a very hard game. And also it's procedurally generated in some, in some senses. So it's definitely the kind of game where... Uh, the music is going to be heard a lot, and therefore, again, you don't want it to be super repetitive or anything like that. Um, and there's kind of an interesting backstory with the, you know, how I ended up getting this gig that I actually really want to tell, but I'll wait till after we, we play yeah, it. Yeah, cool. I, yeah, I love this song, and I can I can speak about a number of things, but the I just encourage the listeners to listen out for the, um, I guess you call it the arpeggios going. And mm. as I listen to it, the although the drum beat might stay the same, the arpeggios are hitting on different accents or they're different lengths, and it just creates this different sense of rhythm every time it changes. And the arpeggios just seem to change uh, quite a number of times. And I don't know, it's, it's quite hard for me to explain this kind of stuff. But this, my goodness, this is a phenomenal track. And the... I don't know, the chorus, the B, the A, B, C, and D sections, they they just seem to go up and up and up, and the intensity just keeps going, and yeah, this is is fantastic. This is really, really good, and I would love everyone to hear this. So this is Dead Forest from Kill the Dragon by Modal Module. Enjoy. (laughs) 